Welcome to The Brand Manual, a podcast exploring brand identity and messaging. We talk to business pros who have something to say about how creative strategies fuel their brands. Today, we're talking with Renee Graham. She's an architect by day, an entrepreneur, inventor by night. She is the creator of something called a Renzo box, and it is a device that aims to bring an end to the messy makeup bag. We hear about how the idea first struck her on a subway and how it has grown into a movement exemplified by the phrase, where beauty meets brains. Welcome to the show. First off, Renee, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're so excited to have you on here and, and uh, to hear everything about all of the things that you're doing, but specifically Renzo Box and how it's uh, changing the game, how it's killing it out there. So can you really briefly give us kind of a, a fuller backstory? Uh, our listeners already know a little bit about what you do. Can you tell us uh, more specifically product line services? What all are you offering? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, so Renzo Box is, like I said, it's the solution to the messy makeup bag. Um, and what we do is we provide makeup formulations in Renzo pods. They're basically like little Lego pieces. Um, they come in three sizes, a small, medium, and large. So let's say you have an eyeshadow that would probably go in a small pod um, or a foundation, for example, that goes all over your face. That would go in a large pod. Um, and then you mix and match them to build a palette that you want. So um, within a much smaller amount of space, you can kind of build a palette of products uh, from any brands that you want mm -hmm. um, that suit exactly the uses. So, um, for example, if you had a foundation from MAC or combine that with a blush from NARS and, um, and let's see, some, a few eyeshadows from Urban Decay or Clinique or something, you can have all that in one spot. Yeah. Oh. I did notice that one of the designs actually has the brush in the back of the box sort of at the hinge point. Uh, yes. It's just perfectly positioned in there. It was really ingenious. Yeah. So um, one of one of the other frustrations with a makeup bag is um, the utensils, like the tools, right? The brushes, you put them right. in there and they always get crammed um, in the bottom and the bristles will actually get destroyed um, and, it'll, and it'll be difficult to apply makeup with them. Mm -hmm. So um, the the hinge inside that I basically made a hollow tube hinge at the back point of it. And, um, it keeps the brushes stored in a separate compartment. They don't get, you know, squished and right. crammed and ruined there. So, um, yeah, I was trying to be as efficient with use of the space as possible yeah. and it's get brilliant. everything in one. Thank you. Brilliant. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, we have a, we have a special affinity for, for, when design meets function in such beautiful ways. I mean, and your background is in design. So yes. I, did you start with the idea and the problem first, or do you start with, man, this, this design, I want to see this thing out in the world. How did, how was, what was the process like for you? Yeah. Um, so to be completely honest, I had this idea a long time ago. Um, I, I came up with it when I was in grad school. Um, and it was, <laughs> I was on the Houston Metro one day. Um, I was going from class to the office. I had a, a job in downtown Houston and I always would carry with me my makeup bag and like a change of clothes to go between the two. Um, so I'm sitting on the Metro, riding the Metro to downtown and I pull out my makeup bag and I'm, you know, touching up my makeup or whatever. And notoriously, like every woman goes through this where you dump it out 
because you, you're like digging through it. You can't find what you need. So you just mm. like dump it out. And I did that. I dumped it out on a seat next to me. And then something goes flying off and rolling onto the floor. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> Um, this is this is the moment that of uh, the genesis of the idea. Yes, yes, cool. the genesis. Like I was so frustrated, and so um, you know, I finished putting my makeup, and then I'm sitting there just like looking in my bag, and I'm going, you know, I'm carrying around the minimum of what I need. Of you know, like I've already parsed it down to the absolute minimum. I've tried a zillion times to organize this thing, and it doesn't matter. It just turns into the same jumbled mess. Um, and so, like I said, I kind of I looked at it. And was going, you know, I've got this palette of eyeshadows. There's six of them in here, but really I only use three of them. Why yeah. am I carrying around these other three? You know, um, or it, it just it just always happens with products like that. And I just I was like, this this can be solved. Um, That's right. And my my mind, um, you know, I'm trained as an architect, so I just think of problems spatially um, and or, and like how to solve them. Yeah. In, three-dimensional way and so I next thing I did is I pulled out my sketchbook and um I started sketching some things and uh that's that's actually where it was born I just I didn't do anything I I didn't do anything with it for the longest time and what year was that uh so this is circa 2009 or so okay okay wow and the power of the pencil and the sketchbook yes Yes, absolutely So I wanted to just mention a couple of other things related to the history of the brand. So um, for those who may not know, you launched with an Indiegogo campaign, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. And that was in August of 2018? Correct. Okay. So not too long ago. You, mm-hmm. you met your goal in one day. Yes. Yes. And yeah. you did over 300% was raised. And that you're actually, if somebody wanted to buy uh, something today at the time of the recording, they wouldn't be able to until February 5th is actually second round of fundraising, correct? Yes. Okay, good. I got this right so far. Uh, And this is not going to be on uh, Indiegogo, but it is actually going to be, where to see? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So tell us about that. how how are you getting uh, achieving that awareness in the market and albeit a fairly crowded market for makeup things but you know you have this unique offering how are you finding your audience um i mean it's been it's been through a combination of um organic outreach and um and just you know trying all the things i'm not a a retailer. I've never, you know, my background was in services, not in in sales um, of a retail product. So uh, I've been experimenting a lot. Um, We've been doing a lot of social media marketing. Um, We're about to start with some influencer marketing. Um, We've done some in-person pop-ups. We've kind of, you know, found our early supporters who are really taken with a brand and with a product and leveraging their networks as well. So it's a bit of, it's a bit of everything. Um, but I will, I will tell you that those people who were able to purchase, you know, so the first round was it's, we're, we're, we're still getting our, we were getting our production stream lined up. So the first round was a limited run. We don't have a bunch of these in stock. Um, and, um, those people who have them in hand and have been using them have been, like incredibly supportive yeah. and they're we're, we're hoping um, that this round that we can rely on them as well to help us spread the word. Yeah. That brings up a great question about that, the manufacturing side of what you're having to do in terms of actually producing these, putting them into production. Mm-hmm. Um, 
gosh, I mean, that, that in itself is an education, isn't it? Oh gosh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a journey. I've been to, um, I've been to China, uh, seven times in the last 18 months. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, so yeah. And you know, that's, it, it was really difficult for me, um, to navigate that process, but I've, I've yeah. actually talked to other people who have, um, who have brought a product to market as well. And they were like, wait, you did that in eight months. How wow. on earth did you do that? That it took us two years. So right. apparently I'm doing pretty good, but I thought good. it was really hard. So I, I've just been like full force, you know, um, going forward with it. Um, I actually originally started, I wanted to, uh, manufacture, produce everything in Texas. Uh-huh. We act, we have the, the major components of Renzo Box are plastic injection mold, and we do have a bit of that industry here in Texas with the petroleum um, um, industry here. But it was, you know, the costs were too high, yes. and they, uh, to be quite honest, China is just, they just do it really well, and they're very professional. They accomplished in forty-eight hours what I couldn't get done in two months here. Right. So it was a no-brainer. And yeah. we've been working through working through it since then. Yeah, hmm. um, I love the idea of uh, doing it all in Texas. You know, we would have an affinity for that. But you're right. I mean, just the realities of production. I mean, yes, I, I, it is amazing when we come across anyone who is still manufacturing in the states. Um, so kudos to you for giving it a good shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those realities are tough, you know. I tried. I tried. I yeah. mean, and then there's there's other logistic problems, you know, obviously with going overseas. Like I was subject to the the Trump China tariffs. Like right. that happened in the midst of Oh my god. I didn't even think about that. To, oh man, I <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Every every possible logistical hurdle that you could think of, I think I I went through it. <laughs> man, you I'm had a perfect I, storm. I'm glad I went through it on the first round, though, because I feel like that's what I have the most energy, so I can. Yeah, <laughs> make yeah. My way and and now it. you have some established relationships, which I know is that's yes. really, really critical. Man, and yes. some thick skin now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell me about tell me about going to Renzo's box. Renzo Box's core messaging. Tell me about the brand voice. What are some of the uh, the key components? Things that you're wanting to hit. Yeah, so the Renzo box, our official tagline is where beauty meets brains. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was something that was very intentional. It took us a while to come up with. Um, I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I, I hope that it describes the product itself. You know, we were talking about functionality meets something, you know, a beautiful object. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that it describes the user. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, someone who is intelligent and educated and on the go and, you know, just kind of like has a lot of 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 irons in the fire. I think it, it describes it describes that Renzo Box customer. Yes. Um, well, and that's reflected, too, in the box babes on the blog. <laughs> You know, I think it was uh, profiles of badass women. It definitely uh, is connecting the beauty and the brains, and it's 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 a powerful message beyond just the box itself. That's what we're. That's what I'm aiming for, and yeah. that's what I really want to grow. Um, you know, there's a to be to be completely honest, as a as a female and professional, there's mm-hmm. a lot of. Um, 
there's a lot of challenges, um, you know, when it comes to being taken seriously. And um, sometimes the way you look can be a detriment to that. Mm, You know, you could be too pretty and no one takes you seriously. You could be, you know, not pretty enough and no one takes you seriously. Like there's just, it's hard to find the right balance of things and it's just ridiculous. And then on, on the flip side, if you look at the cosmetic industry as a whole, there's, it, it really gears towards this like very high glamour kind of um, um, uh, approach. And I don't think it necessarily meets the standard, you know, everyday kind of woman. Um, right. We need something that's practical and that's, you know, makes us feel good. But we don't, you know, we don't need to kick on 18 layers of makeup and, um you know, like we're going out to the club every single right. night. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I really, you know, it's it's like very, it's overly sexualized, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, it, it, it wasn't a message that I wanted to push. Um, yeah. And it wasn't a message that I wanted Renzo Box to be about. So mm. um, it was really about getting back to that core of, you know what, we can be, we can be intelligent and beautiful and get yeah. our stuff done. Like all of these things all wrapped into one. Mm. You know, that comes through on your website, the, the classic, uh, confident, uh, just really good design uh, on your website. We mm-hmm. spent time on that uh, as a shop yesterday. Um, so you hired good creative, that's clear. Um, what can you say about that process? What um, Was that a really good experience for you? Were there unique challenges dealing with the creative side or did it just go perfectly smoothly? Um, no, it, nothing ever goes perfectly smoothly. Oh good, I'm glad to hear you <laughs> say wish. that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, well, first of all, all of the creative is in house. Um, We didn't go with an outside firm or anything like that. Um, so it happens when you hire an architect, we just think we could do everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, yeah, so it's all in house and, you know, it, it took iterations at at arriving at that message, like I said, uh, but once we arrived at where beauty meets brains, it's been the driving point. Mm. And with every decision, I mean, from production to what we post, to how we talk about the product, to the different events that we choose to go to, um, eventually what type of retailers we'll partner up with and what brands we'll partner, you know, like all of yeah. these things, the message, like, does this meet where beauty meets brains? Right. If it's, if it doesn't, then. It's the wrong mm, spot. Yeah. It's the wrong spot. It's not us. Yeah. Yeah. I love when you were talking, I'm kind of switching gears a little bit, but I love when we, when you were talking about, um how it is difficult to be taken seriously. And the way that you've answered that is with a beautiful thought process, uh, a beautiful design, and a a wonderful and supported business model. I mean, that... Thank you. There is no way that that isn't taken seriously. That's fantastic. Thank you. I I appreciate that. I wanted to say it because I'm like, man, I'm just so impressed. I think it's amazing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the startup phase? What are what is the one? I, I mean, besides being in an industry that you didn't have experience in, besides all of those things, what is the one shocker that you were like, man, I did not see that coming? Maybe it was Trump's tariffs. Maybe it was <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was something else. Yeah, uh, that was definitely a big one. Well, mm-hmm. and the thing I'll, I'll tell you, the thing that was the most interesting about that was so. In the September, it was like the end of September, that round of Trump's, that that round of the tariffs is when I was subject to them. And um, that the day that I found out, uh, you know, my, my import tariffs went from 3% to um, adding 10% on top of that overnight. So mm, 13%. Wow. 
Um, and I thought to myself, okay, I have a limited amount of cash here. Should I be, oh, and, and I was told, you know, as of January 1, 2019, it was going to go up to 27%. Wow. Um, so that was not something that I accounted for. And I don't think any business person accounts for that. It's almost a 30% increase, right, you know, right. a third increase in your production cost. I wasn't, that I wasn't changes everything. That. It does. It changes everything. So there's a thought process I had that was like, well, maybe I need to just spend all my cash producing as much as I can and get it over here before January one. Hmm. Um, and it took me about a day to kind of mull it over and go through the business model and think about it. And I was like, you know what, this is, it's not what I need to do right now. I need to get the message out there about Renzo box. Um, and spend my, excuse me, spend my cash elsewhere. However, what I didn't think about was literally everybody else who produces in China had the exact same thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then the the next round of tariffs that were going to go into effect were going to affect consumer electronics. Mm -hmm. So that's like Apple and Samsung and mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and what those big companies did is they had the fourth, the, the foresight and the capital available, um, they decided to bring as much product as they could over here. Um, Pre-January pre 1, right. Right, pre-January okay. 1. Um, and you can buy up air freight. You can buy air freight the same way you can reserve an airline ticket. Um, and so they like purchased, pre-purchased all the air freight that you're able mm, to get. Wow. And so I get a call from my, my shipping broker and they're like, we're sorry, your pallet of like 250 units you know, that was one of the shipments that was coming wow. over. They're like, we, we can't, we can't get it here. And you got I said, bumped. excuse me, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so we ended up having to break up the pallet and said, you know, it went from Shenzhen to Guangzhou to, uh, Tokyo to Mexico to Houston. To, oh my gosh. To, like it went, it did yeah. this whole insane routing. Um, and it ended up costing me an arm and a leg. Um, but that's something you can't foresee, right. you know? And I think, you know, back to your question, Tim, was, you know, one of the most surprising things is that there's just going to be bumps in the road no matter what. There's there's no way when I started this that I would ever have been able to think of that possibility. Right. Um, and so you just have to kind of take each one of those bumps with a grain of salt and say, mm -hmm. all right, you know, there's a solution to this. Like, this isn't going to be the thing that puts me under. Um, right. I can find a way around it and um, just have a bit of resilience and calmness. Yeah. To be able to to think your way through it and, and just find a solution. Well, and with such wide acceptance, right, that there is clearly this demand. Um, and maybe I, I'm not sure that you would say it, but it sounds like demand is definitely there, present, and maybe even outstripping your supply ability. Um, so all of those bode well for 2019 absolutely <laughs> i mean this I'm is really this is an exciting <laughs> yeah it's an exciting time i would think to to for where you are it is it's really exciting um i'm excited to see where and how this will grow my next steps um you know i've got i've gotten through the production production logistics and that supply chain and i know i have every piece identified and i've gone through the process once so now this is about iterating on that and expanding. I know where I need to spend my capital and where I need to, where I can save. Um, yeah. And I think with each round, it'll get more efficient. And then ultimately, like the next steps are things like, t you know, going and getting licensing agreements from like the major, um, the, the major brands and the major conglomerates and seeing how I can. Yeah. 
into something bigger. Those strategic yeah. partnerships. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. That's fantastic. Uh, well, tell us, uh, besides just being excited about 2019, what what are your, uh, your customers? What is your audience? Uh, what do you need them to know? What are you excited about for them? Gosh, I think the thing that a lot of, I, I still get a lot of questions about this that people are confused about which is how is it possible to get any brand that I want in these Renzo pods in my Renzo box? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, I am a startup. I don't have all of these partnership agreements yet right. and we're working on them. So the, what we've done is we have a cosmetic laboratory that we've teamed up with. And if it's a brand that we have not yet partnered with, uh, we will source, their product. So if you use a specific color foundation or something, we source it and our lab will press it into a Rinzo pod. Wow. So okay, cool. It, if, you know, and it's, um, I mean, it costs a little bit more because we're providing the convenience and a service. Yeah. Um, but no matter what you can, you can get exactly what you want. Man, that's interesting. Okay. There's, there's a lot of similarities here between what you're doing with with the uh, the makeup industry to what Keurig was doing with the coffee industry. That is a fantastic. Yeah, that's that's actually um, that's an analogy I use a lot. Yeah. Okay. I I have to be careful when I use that one because I think that there there's produces a lot of waste versus mm -hmm. mine is actually doing the opposite. I think uh, Rinzo Box does actually r reduces the amount of packaging and the amount of waste. Um, but in terms of a business model, it's mm -hmm. it's almost exactly that. Yeah. Wow. Man, may you go as big as Keurig. Yeah, that's great. Bigger. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, is there anything you want to leave with? Um, gosh, I don't know. I think maybe it's just I really want to encourage other female entrepreneurs out there. Mm -hmm. um, if you have an idea, if you have a, I don't know, just a drive to go do something, a passion about something, um, just do it, just go do it and have yeah, fun with great. it. And, yeah. um, don't let, I, I, you know, I had, I've had some, I, Tim knows this, but I also teach, um, at the university level and I've, ha I've had students come up to me and they're like, how is it possible? Like, how did, you, <laughs> right. how did you do this? Um, and I think my, the way I overcome fears is I always, I look around, I did this since I was a kid. Like I remember very, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I would, I was scared of roller coasters. Um, and uh, standing in line at Six Flags in Arlington, I saw this like kid that would come, that, like came off of a roller coaster that was like shaking, you know, about to get on. And I was like, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. That's right. Yeah. And that's how I got over it. And so that's what I do now, even to this day, I kind of look around, I'm like, okay, if she can build that company, surely I can do it. If, you know, he can build that company, like definitely I can do it. And I, that's what I, um, that's what I encourage. And I, I hope that I can be an example to other yeah. women. Well, I mean, that is, that is a uh, fundamental uh, uh, foundational belief that you have got to have to be entrepreneurial in any way which yes. is that assurance that um, me or the partners that I've joined with, we, we are confident that we can crack anything, we can figure anything out. Um, that's, it's it's got to be in our DNA as entrepreneurs to be able to do that. So I think so. Congrats. 
Thank you. And congrats yeah. to you guys. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks. thanks. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been just amazing. We, we really appreciate your time, but uh, yeah. we appreciate your product and your thought processes. So thanks, thanks for sharing. Guys. Thanks for talking Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. All right. Thanks Take for sharing. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Brand Manual Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd be super grateful if you shared. You can find the other episodes on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We'll see you next time on the Brand Manual Podcast.